It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Man, I'm so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama, oh my mama made it, ma. Anything's possible. Rainy days, jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You could tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's Rain and Jay Millie's Welcome back, this is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And we want to welcome you thank, thank you for listening Thank you for downloading a podcast after this one Because I don't know that anybody really wants to hear more about it, but we're here to talk about it no matter what. The Boston Celtics losing to the Toronto Raptors 118 to 92. 118 to 92 after being outscored 36 to 13 in the second quarter. Another disastrous quarter for the Boston Celtics. And we are going to talk about it. We are the Rain and Jays. I am John Corrales, beat reporter for MassLive.com, joined today by Samuel. Jamison Packard the third. Jam. Also known as Ladies Love Cool Jam. <laughs> Jam. <laughs> uh, we're going to try to have some fun with this. If you're a new listener, thank you. Welcome aboard. Thanks for checking us out. All right. Well, we're just going to kind of wing it because that's what the Celtics seem to do. Just wing it. You know, oh, great first quarter. Good first quarter. Celtics up two after one. Eh, good enough. Good enough. Uh, the second quarter was this one of those nothing went right. It seemed like at the beginning of the quarter, they they were still playing hard at the beginning of the quarter. And they weren't hitting shots. They only hit four or 15 shots in the entire quarter. So a bunch of stuff wasn't falling. And Toronto was hot. They hit 14 of 25 shots. They made their run. And it seemed like Boston just quit in the second quarter. Like they just said, oh, here we go again. And it it just cascaded. When Marcus Gasol hit that three to put them up 39-34, I thought Brad Stevens should have called a timeout. And he didn't. Until they were up, until it was uh, 43-34. So four points later. And I'm not going to say that calling a timeout at 39-34 would have made a difference. But you had 
Marcus Smart yelling at Jalen Brown. You had a bad file. You had some bad stuff happening there after after that Marcus All three. I feel like if he had called a timeout there, maybe he could have settled the team down. Get a couple of baskets. You get a couple of baskets there and you tie the game up. Maybe, maybe that changes the momentum of the game and it doesn't quite go the exact same way. Maybe. Oh no. <laughs> like they the the offense just was bad to start that quarter. Gordon Hayward missed two pretty open threes. Um and that's when Gasol came in and he did just a nice job. He was like pretty much single-handedly responsible for the 9-0 run that the Raptors started there with two assists for three and then he had a three himself. But then it was just it went from like missing shots to just general fuckery. I mean, Marcus Smart had some of the worst turnovers I've ever seen just throwing the ball to no one. Yep. You had the Jalen Brown um charge which I think he just like lost the ball going up. I don't think he I think he was trying to pass or trying to do something with it, but it looked bad. Then they started just yelling at each other and then there was just no fight to get it back. Like where was even when the starters returned, there was pretty much nothing there. Like there's no Kyrie trying to take over. There's nothing like Al Horford started missing a bunch of like kind of easy um mid-range shots that we normally see. There's just the fight was not there and then it just turned into sloppiness uh and turnovers galore and you just can't you can't lose a quarter by 23 you just and expect to win the game it's just it was I don't know what to say at this point like I thought after the Bulls game my my rationalization is like oh this this is a flip the switch team this is a team that's gonna say we're gonna only try against the the good teams and we're gonna be able to turn it on but clearly they just they showed no fight here they're like actually I'm not I'm not gonna say that they showed a little bit of fight to open the third quarter they cut it down to 16. Al Horford missed a pretty open three that would have cut it to 13. And then it seemed like, oh, and then on the course on the other end, Kawhi Leonard hits a, basically a contested three. And then it was like, okay, we tried our one punch. It didn't let us back in the game. And after that, it was pretty much over. And then, like, I just don't know, like, what to, to say at this point. I, I can't even blame Brad Stevens for this because eventually, like, they're professional basketball players. It's up to them to try. It's up to them to, like, play, play correctly. A timeout – what is he going to tell them in the timeout? Try, and then they're going to magically listen to that. I just, it's, it's just their, their will, their crispness. They're just talking about body language all night on the broadcast. It just is, it was pathetic. It's, uh, no bueno. No, no, it's not. Uh, interesting quote from Brad Stevens, who says, it's not like we don't know what we need to do. Uh, for some reason, we take too many shortcuts. Uh, and it's, it's just interesting. We, we want to assign blame. That's what we always do. We want to assign blame. Why, why, why did this happen? Why did that happen? And blame somebody for this thing because it makes us feel better. At least we know who, who to point the finger at. Uh, but it, it is everybody. It is. It's Brad. It's the players. I mean, th- these are professional basketball players. At some point, you've got to be able to go out there and play with some level of pride and, and, not just say, ah, well, this, they, it seems like they just in the second quarter said, but well, they're here, here we go again. And they just stop. They just stop. And is that, is it on Brad? Like, does Brad need to start benching people and just play at that point? Just take people out and put Shemi Ojale in and put Daniel Tyson and put Yabu in and say, fine, if you guys don't want to play, these guys are going to play. What does that accomplish? Does that, does that send a message to these guys? Or does that further alienate guys? I, I don't know. I, I know people's reaction 
is to be like college and be like high school and pull the wholesale substitutions. But when Jim Boylan did that in the Chicago Bulls, everybody was losing their minds. They're like, you can't do that in the pros. Now, the flip side is, well, Chicago's playing a little bit better now. I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I really don't. I don't know if Brad Stevens needs to just start benching more than one guy. Uh, everybody wants to blame Terry Rozier, and I certainly have done plenty of that. But like, t- t- This t- is not on Terry. This, this is not game's definitely not on Terry. You know? If anyone, I, it's like there's a lot of other players who played poorly. Terry Rozier was not taking dumb shots. He's actually, for those two Gordon Hayward threes I, I uh, mentioned, I'm pretty sure he would have gotten the assist on them. I thought he played a, like a decent game. To start, I don't know. Every he's the favorite scapegoat of the team because of pass play, but Marcus Smart was really bad tonight. Uh, he had like a little bit of stretch at the start of the third, but he had so many bad turnovers. He was a minus twenty-five. Horford didn't make any shots. Kyrie didn't show up whatsoever. Like he started out the first quarter with three assists, and then pretty much just didn't try and score the rest of the game. Mook Morris missed, took fourteen shots, which is kind of insane. Um, I don't know. It's it's on everyone, but it's definitely not on uh, not on Terry. I, no, there's so many other players. Is, that... Yeah, I, I agree. It is. It's on. It's on a lot of. Uh, it's on. It's on a lot of guys. Marcus Smart. We talk about this for a second here. Marcus Smart. I've said for a long time now is, is might be the team's best passer. Like he's an exceptionally good passer, and he's never been given the full credit for his passing. The past. We can make it since the All-Star break. His passing has generally been subpar, and he's making some wild passes. He's making some really poor decisions with his passing. Uh, he's thrown some some just like there, there was a turnover tonight where the ball it just didn't have enough arc on it, and he he's just, throwing. He tried to throw to Jalen Brown in the post, and it was most ill-advised terrible pass i've seen him for a while i I don't know what's up with marcus smart's passing lately because he's usually so good but over the past couple of games and and i think probably into the milwaukee game i have to go back and look but it's not been great and not all the time but he's had some really bad turnovers definitely against chicago he had some really bad turnovers ah I, I actually was looking at the box score, and it looked like he only they had him down for one. But that that's no way in no way correct. He had some turnovers that really, it's just not been good. Like, and, well, I don't know what the box score says. Let's look at tonight's box score because it says for Marcus Smart on the night he shot uh, six of oh, no wait so that's Marcus Morris one of five one of two from three minus twenty five. How often is Marcus Smart? the worst plus minus guy on the team that never happens. The antithesis of Marcus smart. I know. And, and it seemed like in the start of the third quarter, he was going to be the guy to get the Celtics going. Like he had a steal and he hit that three and it, it seemed like we we're going to Marcus smart our way back into this game. But no, like it's been, it was a bad performance for Marcus smart. It was just a, uh, just general, shittiness all around and it's like on the defensive end on the offensive end is um and at some point someone has this like other than mark like it felt like marcus smart's a lot of marcus smart's mistakes are from him trying to do too much and trying to like kind of impose his will on the game but i I at least give marcus smart credit because i know i never once questioned his like his desire there but at some point 
you're paying Gordon Hayward $30 million a year. You're paying Kyrie Irving upwards of $20 million a year. Um, at some point, you want them to try and make an impact on this game. And, like, they just it, – it, it felt like Hayward – I think I, we're kind of used to Hayward being a little bit passive. Uh, but it felt like Kyrie was passive tonight, and there was just nothing they could do – there's no solid thing that the Celtics can turn to right now when they're like when things are going poorly. It's not like they have a, a play or a lineup or anything that's just like a an automatic success. And I just like normally you think that would be cur- like maybe a Kyrie Al Horford pick and roll or just getting the ball in Kyrie's hands and trying to do things. But tonight it was just like you kept on looking for answers and then uh, they weren't there. I mean, sometimes it's going to be the three point shooting, but tonight was the culmination of the Celtics just not playing well. And then the Raptors shooting basically 50% from three and the Celtics shooting 20% from three, six of 30. I mean, it's just when those two, both of those things happen, it, it, it's a, it's an equation for a terrible night of basketball. And that's what this was, but just like they try, like I thought they actually got some decent looks from three. They just no one was, no one's shot was falling. No one was in rhythm. No, there was just there was no goodness uh, at all. Basically, once the second quarter started, we're gonna take a break right now, real quick. When we come back, this team has gotten Brad Stevens to do the unthinkable, swear. We'll talk about that and more when we come back on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jason Tatum was called for a pretty weak technical foul. And so he gets an offensive foul called on him. And as he's walking away, he just kind of waves off the ref. I knew as soon as he waved off the ref, that was going to get called a tech. And it was. And Brad Stevens yells down to JT Orr, who was the ref. If you hear the clip, he wasn't yelling to Jason Tatum when he said JT. He was yelling at JT Orr saying, hey, air punch. If he loses his mind, it's one thing. But he waved at you. And then apparently I'm going to assume that JT Orr said something about everybody seeing it. And Brad Stevens said, oh, everybody saw it. Fuck. Who cares? And if there's any bright spot in this, a fun spot in this, it's that Brad Stevens. We, we saw that he swears. He's just like the rest of us. Uh, is that going to do it for the folks who are like, oh, Brad Stevens needs to get angry at this team? That's it. Or is, this like, is that showing it? Because, like... I just think this is the first time we've heard Brad Stevens on tape swearing, but I'm pretty sure he does this just uh, the majority of the game, especially over the last seven games where the Celtics have basically been awful except for uh, against the Bucks and the Sixers. But I don't think – I can't even take that much joy in hearing Brad Stevens swear. Like, you think this would be a great moment for uh, for everyone, but it's just – no, the, the Celtics uh, earned it this night, but like – 
I don't know. I was just everyone wants Brad Stevens to show emotion. Like that's going to be the solution to the Celtics problem. I was like, Oh, we got it tonight. And they still got their asses kicked. It's not like a Brad Stevens swearing. Like we've heard so many stories of like, Oh, Brad said some choice words for them at halftime. And that's a fun story when they have a comeback win. But I don't know. I'm sure he did the same exact thing he did in those games. It's just at some point the team needs to step up and the, they've, they've made me, they've, I try to practice sports optimism, but it's, it hasn't been fun. There's no more fun watching the Celtics. Well, here's the question and why I bring up Brad Stevens and this whole thing. It is when we see Brad Stevens swearing on the sidelines, which we don't see. I'm sure he does it all the time. I mean, that's He's a normal person. We, jo- we joke about the aw shucks, but he's a normal person. Uh, this team is, I don't know, you want to call it a crossroads? You want to call it whatever? This bottom? Have they hit bottom? I, I don't know. This, this might be. It might be bottom. It's hard to say. It feels like there's been so many bottoms. It's like, uh, yeah, it's every time they hit the floor, it cracks open and they fall another floor. Um, they have hit this, this stretch coming out of the All-Star break is, if we want to call it bottom, we can. Because it was supposed to be the beginning of... Like this is this is a a significantly tough stretch that's coming up. This was the beginning of the final stretch where we're supposed to be uh, kicking it up. This was supposed to be the time where the Celtics were like, okay, the All Star break it it's it's past. Now we've got to get serious. And what happened? They, they lost the tough game to Milwaukee. They played well against Milwaukee, and they lost. They had an opportunity to win that game, and they lost. Then they come out against Chicago and just shit themselves. And then they come out against Toronto and have a similar thing happen where they play well in the first quarter, and then they just forget. They just stop. They quit. Is this a, the point where they have to have their own come to Jesus? They play the They play the – the trailblazers on a back-to-back and despite my alma mater Emerson college's best efforts to trap those guys in an elevator, they got out. This is where the Celtics, if they're going to make a move, if they're going to do anything like this has to be how, where they respond. This has to be the thing that makes or breaks their season. Like there has to be a point here where they say, well, you know what? Enough of the bullshit. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to come together as a team somehow and figure this out. Or this is the beginning of the downward spiral and they just never get it back because it's hard for me to believe that this team is just going to flip a switch in the playoffs at this point. Like I'm as optimistic as anybody. And I, I do believe that the playoffs are a different animal and they provide the ability to rest and game plan and make adjustments. And, and that does change the equation a little bit, but when they have this this game in front of them against Toronto that it's it's right there for the taking and they just stop playing in the second quarter they can never get it back there has to be something within them that says all right we we have to at least figure out we have we have to at least play hard like if you can't at least play hard forget about wins and losses if you can't play hard for 48 minutes against the, the trailblazers if you can't come out and play hard for 48 minutes against the Trailblazers, then what are you even doing? 
do you think this team likes each other? Like it's the, the, the like playing hard. It feels like the, a major motivation for doing that is like I'm playing for the guys around me. I want to be like responsible to my teammate here because I don't want to be the guy who lets everyone down. And there's a lot of talk tonight, at least on the players only broadcast of the team, just not looking like they, they enjoy playing with each other or like really like each other. There's been a whole lot of talk with the Kyrie versus the young guys and everything like that. It's like we talk about this team coming together, but if they don't really enjoy playing together, I don't know how much hope there is for them to like have this miraculous kind of comeback. Yeah. You know, we see them. I see them in practice and they all seem to get along. Like they're, they're in their post practice shooting contests. Everybody seems to get along. Like when you have these, these little glimpses into the locker room, there's nothing that tells me that they don't like each other. And, and maybe they're not all, you know, hanging out after practice. I mean, it's, it's different teams have different dynamics. It's, this isn't like, the Sacramento Kings were they're all dancing on the sidelines and but I I look at these guys when they're not at, not post loss like when they're just shooting around or going through practice or whatever they they seem fine. I don't see guys being frozen out. I don't see guys like not talking to each other. And they break out into different groups like Gordon Hayward and Shemi Ojale are always doing their own shooting drills. And then the other group, like Al Horford's always on his own, just doing his own thing. Um, the other group is usually Kyrie, Mook, Terry Rozier, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Like that group always has like their three-point shooting contest. Um, I don't know why Hayward and Ojale are, are doing their own kind of they, – they do a different kind of drill – like they do their own different contests. It's not the same contest. I don't know if that means anything. I never thought it meant anything. Everybody seems to be fine. So I, I, I don't know. Like I get what they're saying and I get how it looks. And, but the, that that's my very long answer to a simple question. I, there's nothing that has ever indicated to me that they don't like each other. I'm just, I'm just searching for answers because we see the post game, comments and it's like Al Horford's just talking it's like we we lack urgency sometimes and for some reason we're not fighting and Marcus Smart's just saying like for some reason like we just don't have it in us we don't not give in the effort and I don't have I'm trying to I'm just grasping at straws here for trying to come up for a reason for why the effort's not there and I I understand that and a lot of criticism has come for Brad Stevens talking about him coaching a team with expectations versus him coaching the underdogs and the underdogs are so scrappy and things like that but are expectations really going to make it so you don't don't put in effort? I just, it it doesn't make sense to me. So maybe the fact that it's like it's not a cohesive team and it's difficult for the guys to play together. But you're right. Like I I've been in the locker room too. Like the guys seem they're frequently laughing. They're uh, having a good time, joking around. I don't think there's any like real. Um, I mean, I don't know personally. Like they could prob- do probably could do a good job of hiding that. There's like real animosity between the two players, but. I don't know. I'm I'm just grasping at straws for why effort and cohesion and try play basically just plain lackadaisical seems to be a continuing problem for them. Because I I had initially bought into the thing of like they can just turn this on, um, but now it's, it's like you have to be completely skeptical because 
this is a game where you would imagine that this this the switch was should have been on for this game. You lose to the Bucks in a close game. You get waxed by the Bulls. You have to flip the switch on for this one. Um, and so to come out like that in the second quarter just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm I, nothing makes sense to me right now. No, that's that's true. There there's nothing that makes sense. Uh, it's just watching this game. There's just I don't. I don't understand. I really don't understand how they go from looking so good, moving the ball, playing together, and then it stops. That's the thing. Like they they have stretches where they do it, and then they just stop. And I just don't. I don't understand why. And it's it's up to everybody there, including Brad Stevens, to figure out why. Uh, I I always put a majority of this on the players for the most part, because it's you're the one that's out there and it's up to you to, to, to try. If you're playing, if, if you're sulking for some reason, if there's something that you don't like, well then, then fix it. Then talk to somebody and, and figure it out, but fix it. it. It's if you're not trying as a professional basketball player, that's on you. Like this is the big, this is big boy stuff. Now this is the coach can only do so much. And, Brad Stevens definitely has to figure out the lineups. Maybe lineup changes could be the thing that uh, that trigger something. But this isn't college. This isn't 35 games where you play once or, or twice a week, and the coach can come in and give you like a little bit of a rah rah speech. That you come like you, they, he can't do that. Brad Stevens doesn't no no coach comes in before every game and gives a big rah rah speech. You can't do that eighty two times. And not only that, you can't keep doing that year after year after year. There's only so much you can say to these guys before you start repeating yourself. And if you're just out there repeating yourself, then guys start to say like, yeah yeah I know. So it's hard for a coach to to be the motivator. And I know people see the coach. Well, you're supposed to motivate these guys. At this level, you're supposed to motivate yourself. Like that's, it's not up to the coach to to hold your hand and go through. Like if there's an issue, you guys got to work it out. And it's up to the coaches, all of them, to be. If it's not Brad, if it then if it's one of the other guys, then they 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 have to figure it out. I don't know what else to say other than they have to figure it out or else this will go down as one of the most, if not the most disappointing season in Celtics history. Like the, the, with all of the promise for them to, to be here at this point, even though they're good, even though they still have a very good point differential, and even though they still have a, a pretty good record and all of that stuff, they're trending in the wrong direction. Why don't we take a break? We're going to come back. We'll, we'll get into some tweets. I don't know if there's a junk drawer to be had, but we'll, we'll figure something out to end the show. When we come back here on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
Every day we ask you to tweet us with the hashtag Rain and Jays during a game with comments. Uh, if it's just a regular day and you have a question, throw it at us. We'll try to get to it on the podcast. Hashtag Rain and Jays, R-A-I-N-I-N-J-S. No G in there. Rain and Jays. Or Rain and Junk. If you have a goofy thing to say or share or joke to make, we'll do that too. Not a lot of people sharing anything with us with the uh, hashtag here tonight. I think everybody's just pissed off, and it's hard to get a grasp on everything. But um, at Kalela underscore Sam, is Aaron Baines the most valuable Celtic not named Al Horford? You know, not having Baines hurts, and it's it's hard to say. I, I don't know, but it's possible that they need Aaron Baines more than anything as part of that second unit. Like they need a, that tough bastard back there to kind of be the, the energy when Al Horford's not on the floor. And maybe that, maybe this is just a road thing. Maybe that they look especially bad on the road and they can't turn it around because they've looked good at home. So who knows? But that that makes it even worse. Maybe maybe having Baines back there, like Baines wouldn't quit. Like they they quit tonight. Like I don't think if Baines was out there, like he might just punch one of his own guys to get them going. So yeah, may, maybe maybe a, a healthy Aaron Baines changes the entire dynamic of this team. I mean, maybe a bit, I think he certainly will help things on the defensive end. We saw Tice get pretty much buried tonight and Brad went away from him real quick. Um, but it still doesn't like, I don't think, I think it solves their thing, like things defensively. It certainly gives them more attitude, but, um, on the offensive end, it's not like Aaron Baines is the, is the, the answer. And I thought they really struggled in the second quarter to score points. And that's kind of led to the collapse. So I definitely think he'd bring up the energy and the kind of the, the effort, but, if you're really looking for Aaron Baines to kind of turn this thing around, I think I think problems are much bigger than Aaron Baines. Probably, probably it's hard to put it on one player, but uh, let's see. At trainer Ryan twenty two, any sort of explanation why this team completely disappears for quarters at a time? I know it's been asked. I feel like it's necessary to discuss again after the second. Well, that's been the entire podcast. So shout out to trainer Ryan. Uh, we we just that we don't know. Who knows? Uh, at Maddie B 0814 I can't wait to hear how John puts an optimistic spin on this team right now. They've completely quit. Uh, let's see. Calling you out for being an optimist. I know, right? Like me, me looking at the the bright side of things. I love, I love like sports and fandom when when you tend to look at things on an optimistic side, you get called out for being like too too optimistic. Um, but all right, here, let's see the optimistic side to this is, uh, they can't get any worse. All right. Yeah. I mean, oh, I can turn that optimistic side. It's still the playoffs. They still have like a, like they're still a talented team. They can still find a way to put it together. Um, they clearly didn't flip the switch tonight, but you think they have a, a capable of doing it. We saw them play well against Milwaukee. We've seen them play well against the Sixers. We've seen them play a little well against the Raptors at home. They have 20 games to figure it out, and the playoffs are an entirely different beasts. So at the end of the day, like it's things are not trending in the right direction, but the season is definitely not over. Absolutely. I mean, the playoffs is not like 
completely changing. And at this point, there's no real difference for them between the three seed and the five seed. Like to me, yeah, it would be nice to have home court uh, in the first round, but I think no matter who they play in the first round, if they are the five seed, whether it be the Pacers or the Sixers, the Celtics should are plenty capable of winning that series. And then they're going to be on the road to play a Raptors team or a Bucks team, um, depending on seeding. And that's going to be tremendously difficult for them. But if they're any, like, there's no way they're going to be able to kind of pass them. So at this point, like, the, I don't think this, they've played it, they've played so poorly that seeding no longer really, really matters. So whatever they need to do to figure it out, uh, it's, it's more about like a psychological thing now than like just winning games. But the kind of the flip side of that is winning games will probably, is probably the best thing to do for the, for like, for their psychological makeup. This gets us into the Kona King Kahuna. Will the season turn around in the playoffs or do you see a first round exit? No, I don't see a first round exit because I, I see the Celtics playing the Sixers in the first round and I have utter confidence in the Celtics beating the Sixers. So, and that goes to your point. So, and, and this is the optimistic spin on everything that even if they end up the fifth seed, it really doesn't matter because they can win in Philly. They've shown they can win in Philly, and I I feel confident in a Sixers series if all seven games were in Philly. That's how confident I am in a a series against the Sixers. So, And then after that, they're on the road anyway. So, yeah, I'd like to see them rise up to the third seed. Of course, for our own mental stability, I'd like to see the Celtics win and and. Get up. They, they've got two more games against Indy. That if they win those two games, then they, they still have a good chance of climbing up to the third seed. That still exists, no matter how bad this loss was and how bad Chicago was. There is still that possibility. It exists. Um, and the Celtics do have it in them. They do. It's just the, the frustrating part is that the stuff that they are doing wrong is so fixable. It's so fixable. It doesn't. It, it doesn't make any sense. So, the playoffs, you're right, are a different animal. You you play one team. You play them seven times. There's at least a day off between games. Sometimes two. There's no crazy travel. You can make adjustments, and the sense of urgency raises the stakes. Like tonight's loss, in all actuality, in all reality, doesn't mean much basketball wise they are still fifth in the in the standings they are still matched up with philly it doesn't mean a whole lot they've beaten toronto before and so they they they, we know that they can beat toronto so the losses are more our own like it it makes us feel like crap it makes us feel very confused so yeah basketball wise things can change so if you want the optimistic spin and the playoff spin that's that's how it goes uh at jovian's shadow we're not making shots we're not rebounding the ball we're not playing well i don't care what Kyrie says we will make it past the first round of the playoffs if this keeps up that's just a extension of the conversation that we're having uh at Celtics boy, Tito just came out and played angry in the end of that third quarter, and I love it. Uh, just shout out to Terry Rozier and uh, Funky Funky at Funky underscore Celtics. Why doesn't Brad call timeouts in the middle of a position or possession if it starts to look bad like he used to? 
Um, I think he does still do that, but, um, yeah, he, he does still do that. He did it against, he did it against Philly most recently that I remember. Uh, my, my question about timeouts is my, and my biggest criticism of Brad Stevens is that he still lets runs go too long when it comes to calling timeouts that going back to that second quarter after Marcus Saul hit that three and the, it was a nine Oh run. That was the time to call the timeout. That's the time to settle guys down and and come out and change, just change the energy. Even if you call timeout, make a sub or call timeout to calm guys down, just change the energy. Brad, I feel like still wants these guys to try to figure it out on their own. And this team, this group is not capable of doing it in these moments. So when it comes to Brad Stevens and the timeouts, I want him to be more uh, proactive in stopping these runs and getting these guys refocused because if anything, they need to be refocused and any level of them trying to figure it out. You, you, just can't you have to take control of that situation and that's my biggest gripe when it comes to brad stevens um i think that's going to take us to the junk drawer if there is a junk drawer but we need to do this on a fun note there's a couple tweets um i don't have a junk drawer uh oh man that's what kind of game it is it's this guy it was so infuriating i i mean I'll, i'll read the tweets and then i have my one junk drawer comment but this is from again celtics boy Anyone else notice that the team went downhill as soon as we got rid of Nader and Larkin? Which I think is a fantastic observation. We need Shane Larkin on this team. I don't know about Abdel Nader, but Shane Larkin would, uh, was a guy who would hustle. Um, and then this is from Ball Movement Appreciation Appreciator or Observer of Self. Um, tonight was bad, but here's an absolutely comprehensive list of things that went extremely well tonight. And then it's just a blank tweet. That's just a good old-fashioned uh, being smart on the Internet. Um, what are Kyrie Irving's thoughts on the end of True Detective Season 3? I feel like it's a synopsis I've been, I need because uh, I'm very confused. I have a lot of True Detective thoughts, but I won't share them here today. Uh, so This is from Coella Sam. The Celtics should go play laser tag to build community spirit and chemistry. It's the only way. Laser tag, bowling. Um, maybe a pizza party, ice cream. I don't know. Whatever is going to get this team to go together. Um, there's a lot more raining junk tweets that I didn't notice during the game is, uh, kind of impressive. Um, people very, uh, kind of, uh, thrilled that Brad was swearing. Um, <laughs> funky funk at funky Celtics. It's time again to blame the young guys for giving me that erotic feeling. There was not a lot of eroticism tonight. Uh, and then my finally, my own junk drawer, because it's only the first quarter, is uh, just uh, some some traditional Kyle Lowry slander. Uh, man, that guy's whiny. He really is. I mean, uh, I like it feels bad to complain about that when um, – and he didn't have that great a game. He's only scored seven points, but um, anyway, it feels like a, holly, a, a hollow junk drawer just doing the – the team plays this poorly. That's – yeah, that's – it was it, – it's our best effort. Your best effort. I put no effort into the junk drawer. That's a, that's you. <laughs> so I guess when it comes to the junk drawer, I am Boston Celtics second quarters or third quarters, whichever. Uh, all right. Uh, interesting stuff tonight. Uh, we're just as shocked as you guys are. I think that's the ultimate uh, takeaway here. Um, some interesting quotes coming out of the locker room, which 
we'll we'll start to read and whatever. I can't see where I can't wait to see where this team goes from here. It's it's going to be a wild finish, that's for sure. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast, or at least enjoyed commiserating along with us. Uh, it's going to be a fun finish to the season, and hopefully the season goes past the first round of the playoffs. So stick with us if you're a new listener throughout all that. We are here for you Monday through Friday, and uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Regular subscribers, please give us that five-star rating, good written review, please, and share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.